Our Old Testament reading today is from Genesis, chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of all the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds, and of everything that creeps in on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah, as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God, has, God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days.
The word of the Lord. Today's psalm is Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Our New Testament reading comes from Jude. Chapter 1, verses 17 through 22. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. The word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4, beginning in verse 36. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Church, this is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. On that day, when evening has come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And then a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. If you brought a Bible today, open it to Genesis chapter 7. We're going to be, we're in the middle of the story of Noah. If you didn't bring a Bible and you'd like to follow along with one, there are these blue Bibles on the table in the back. And if you don't own a Bible, then one of those is yours to keep. When I was plotting out how we were going to do the Genesis series, um, I noticed for the first time that the story of Noah's Ark, the story of Noah and the flood, actually takes four chapters out of the entire book to do. Almost 10% of Genesis is about Noah. It takes four chapters because, well, we would assume that 
the writer really wanted to make sure that people understood what was going on. But because it takes four chapters and because we're not going to do a sermon on four chapters worth of stuff, this week we find ourselves simply on the boat in the midst of the storm. As I was reading it this week, I started to think about what's the, what's the gap between God calling us and God fulfilling His purposes? Because that's where Noah and his family were right now. In this entire chapter, that's where they were. An, a lot of the Bible is about God's people waiting. Noah and his family knew what the end was going to be. They knew that God had promised that He was going to save them. But there's no indication that they knew how long this was going to go on. God said, build an ark, gather the animals, get in the ark, and make ready, because in seven days, I'm going to cover the entire earth with water. It's interesting that God gave them a week of final preparations. It's, a, it's an interesting period of time. Uh, the author Derek Kidner said that seven days means there was no ur- there's urgency, yet there's no haste. In the seven days' time, the entire task can be completed, but we can't have any postponements. And so there's a sense of moving and urgency as Moses makes final preparations to gather everything and get on the ark, but then what? Then it's just waiting. God had promised that He would save them. He has graciously provided for them. He told them in advance that it was going to happen. He gave them the plans to build a boat. And so they knew what the ending was going to be. They just had no idea when it was going to be, when it was going to happen. How long was Noah in the ark? A lot longer than I used to think he was. Um, When you think about the flood, all I remembered was that it was 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights of rain, and then everything dries up, and then they come out. I mean, it didn't sound like that much. Like, I can do a month. It's okay, so it's a month and a week. I can do five weeks of something. I mean, 10 years ago, I spent five weeks in corporate housing in Tampa, Florida. If you can do that, you can do anything. So, 40 days, not a big deal. There's been a lot written about this over the years, but depending on how you kind of parse out the Hebrew and the ancient Hebrew calendar, they were on the ark for at least 150 days and probably 370 days, a year and a week of waiting, of not knowing, of simultaneously being able to rest in the provision of God while still not knowing what was happening next, having no idea when their final restoration would come. So when was God going to complete His promise? Now, as for, as for Noah and Mrs. Noah and his wives and, their, and their, their wives, I'm sorry, and his sons and their wives, as for Noah and his family, you know that they had some baby animals on board by the time they were done. I mean, if, whether it was 150 days or a year, there were some babies happening. Did you know a mother hamster can have a litter every 16 days? I found that out this week. So, think about it. Outside the ark is death. Inside the ark is new life. Outside the ark is God's wrath, God's righteous judgment being visited on His creation. Inside the ark was safety and protection. And there's a theme, like I said, there's a theme of waiting in Scripture, waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. The descendants of of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the Israelites, they went down into Egypt and became slaves, and they were there for 400 years 
exactly as God said was going to happen. Later on, when, when Babylon conquered Israel and hauled off most of it into slavery in Babylon or into exile in Babylon, that lasted an entire lifetime. That lasted 80 years, and God knew it because He had planned it. Or then in the, in the New Testament, when Jesus, risen from the dead in His resurrection body full of power and glory, is talking to His disciples about what happens next, and they are excited And he's telling them that they are going to go into the entire world and make disciples of Jesus, that they're going to go tell all nations about him. They were so excited, but here's what he told them. This is at the end of Luke, in Luke 26. It said, Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But wait, stay here in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So you guys are going to go into the world and be my ambassadors and my witnesses. But wait. If we can see that this waiting on the ark is similar in tone to all the other waiting that the people of God do. It also helps us to rem- it also reminds us that this ark, this boat that they were on, is itself a picture and a foretaste of Christ. Being in Christ is the place that God calls us to, just like he did with Noah. Christ is the place of refuge from the storms of the world. And being in Christ is also the place of purpose and mission. God didn't just save Noah to save Noah. God saved Noah because he had work for Noah to do. Being in Christ is the place where all creation begins to renew one person at a time. If you are a Christian, Christ has saved you. Just like when Noah got on the boat, he was already safe from the storm. You are safe inside his ark. And yet we, like Noah and his family, are still waiting on the promises of Christ to be fully fulfilled. We're like Noah and his family. We wait. God speaks to Noah a lot, but the one thing he didn't tell him is how long this boat trip was going to be. And so, like I said, we have no idea what life was like on board. But we can easily assume that if they were going to be on this boat for at least six months and maybe up to a year, they had things to do, right? Everyday, ordinary things. They would have prepared food together. They would have cleaned up together. They tended to the animals together. All the the laws and the patterns for worship hadn't been given down yet by God, but since we know that Noah and his family were God-fearers, we would assume that that they also worshiped together. Living their lives inside this boat was probably pretty ordinary, even in the midst of extraordinary circumstances. And they had only gone into this ark with food. That's it. That's all we're told. Bring food into the ark. And maybe we can assume whatever tools they would need to fix the boat or cook the food. But they certainly didn't take their tents with them. They certainly didn't take their houses with them or their possessions with them. Because they themselves were the important thing to God, not their stuff. And they trusted in God enough to leave whatever else they had behind and board the ark. Because the ark was everything that they needed to survive. 
the fate of what happened to everybody outside that ark, which we're told in this chapter. Everything died. The fate of what happened to everyone outside the ark is the fate of all of us, apart from the grace of Christ. Noah was not special. He didn't figure out that it was going to rain and then come up with a plan to make a boat. God called him into that ark. God called him to that work. Without the ark, all of them die. Every single one of us has to face the righteous, the, the, the judgment of a righteous God. The only thing that kept Noah from, from dying at the time of the flood was being covered by the ark. All of us face the, righteousness, the, the judgment of a righteous God, and the only thing when we face that judgment that keeps us from dying in the eternal fire is being covered by the blood of Christ. On board the ark, Noah and his family would have had normal, everyday, ordinary, maybe even boring things to do while they waited for God's deliverance. And they did those things because that was the work that God had given them to do. He had put them right where he wanted them, right, right when he wanted them, and they had things to do. They had to feed each other. They had to care for the animals. They had work. Most of our lives are everyday, ordinary, almost boring things. But there is honor in those everyday, ordinary things. There's honor in that because that's exactly what God has us to do in the place that he has put us and the time that he has put us. The first day that they got on the ark, I'm sure everything felt new and fresh and it was exciting. After day like 139, I have to imagine that everything felt kind of samey. It's not so different from us. Some of us, when we first go into that ark, some of us have dramatic conversion stories. Or some of us, probably most of us, have at some point in our Christian walk seen a time when God clearly and unmistakably just showed up and showed off. But that's not most of life. Those are far the exception, not the rule. For most of our lives, it's the ordinary, everyday stuff. But do not lose heart when we find that that's what we're doing. Because there's honor in that, and God has given us that work to do. No one knew that God was protecting him. No one knew that God had already saved him by putting him in the boat. He didn't know what was going to happen next. Same with us. So as you think this week about Noah being in the ark with his family and the animals, trust in God that his plan is perfect. Trust in God that his timing is perfect. However delayed it often seems to us in the times when we feel like all we're doing is waiting. God's plan is perfect. I have to imagine that Noah and his family at some point during that journey just felt like they were treading water, bobbing in place. But that's exactly where God wanted them. So however often God's plan seems delayed, his plan is perfect because he is orchestrating all things. And finally, most importantly, trust in God that Jesus will continue to shelter his people now as he has back then. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the, for the story of the flood. We ask that you would 
bring it up in our minds in times when we are in despair and you seem far from us. We ask that you would bring it up in our minds at times when it doesn't seem like anything's happening and we're just waiting. Would you remind us that you are constantly with us, that everything is going according to your plan, and that even though, even though we don't know where the end is, you do, and you know when it is, and you know what's going to happen next. Would you increase our trust in you for that, O oh Lord? And in these moments of, of times when you just show up and show off, would you also remind us that it's the everyday, ordinary things that we have to do that bring as much honor and glory to you as the big things do? In Christ's name, amen.